Hey, Sound Life. It is Pastor Susie and Pastor Caleb sitting down to talk about yesterday's sermon, The Jesus Way, and quite an interesting story that we read in the book of Acts of Ananias and Sapphira and just sitting in the room, just seeing people's reactions to, you know, two people dropping dead was pretty great. Totally. Yeah, there was definitely a mix of both laughter and gasps, yeah. right? Um, and, and probably not a passage too many people have heard preached on. Yeah. Because let's face it, like preaching on two people showing up to church one day and not walking out alive um, <laughs> is probably not a popular sermon topic. So yeah. It, it is an interesting story. And sometimes it's a reminder that the Bible is so real mm-hmm. that sometimes you're like, God, I wish you would have not told it that way. Yeah. Uh, because it, it's almost like you got the facts, but there was no political correctness added or uh-huh. um, there was no massaging of the details. Yeah. It's like, hey, you came to church, you were sinning against the Holy Spirit, <laughs> you're going to die. Yeah. And they did. Yeah. And uh, that is a little bit shocking and, and, and um, jarring, especially because we just aren't used to talking about or thinking about our sin I was thinking about this last night. In our culture, we are trained to just be so positive about everything. It's hard to have a safe place to talk about the negative things in life. Yeah. Right? Um, there's not a socially acceptable way or place to discuss some of the negative aspects of life. And, and we see this when people are grieving loss. We mm-hmm. see this when people have suffered abuse or trauma. Our society doesn't provide natural ways for people to articulate those things. Well, the greatest abuse and trauma and cause of death of all time is sin. Mm -hmm. And in the church, we don't really like to talk about that either. It's hard to put a positive spin on that. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it definitely was a unique topic to preach on and I think for people to hear about. Absolutely. Yeah, I I think that's interesting. And and the result of sin is often just that hiddenness and that um, separation from people because we don't know how to deal with it. And you really spent kind of the last part of your message unpacking, how do we deal with that? Because we know that it's not, you know, you talked about how it's not the result of, you know, their financial unfaithfulness, their ignorant sin, or it's not always how God deals with sin. So, you know, this was an issue of their heart. Mm -hmm. This was an issue of their position towards God and... So we want to be careful not to have that position. Yeah. I think that's such an important thing for us to understand of how God looks at us. Yeah. We um, can be so transactional. We think of ourselves in a list of good and bad deeds, hmm. right? Um, and so we we often are guilty of weighing our lives um, according to how many good things we've done compared to how many bad things we've done. or how many good or bad things we've done compared to how many good or bad things someone else has done. Mm -hmm. And God is more interested in the heart, though everything we do is somehow an expression of the heart. Yeah. And I had a conversation with one one gentleman yesterday after service, and he's like, man, I had a season of life where I pretty deliberately sinned and walked away from God. Is there this unforgiven mark Mm -hmm. on my, my life record because of that, and I got to have a great conversation with him. He was referencing that that Hebrews ten twenty six verse where uh, we read, "If we deliberately continue sinning after we've received knowledge of the truth, that there's no sacrifice left for our sins." Mm. And I think what we see in Scripture, 
back to your point about the heart, is that that's not so much a list of, of Jesus saying, oh, these two sins were deliberate, Susie. I can't yeah. forgive those. It's more of a, is your heart in this trajectory where you are pursuing sin, mm-hmm. or is your heart in a trajectory where you're moving towards God? And um, I think if our, if our heart is moving towards sin, that's what Jesus is talking about. Like, we know better. We're yep. going after it. Now, the beautiful, gracious thing about God is it seems like the moment that our heart trajectory changes to true repentance, that's good enough for Jesus. Yeah. Um, even if we did some pretty deliberate, awful things prior to that. Mm-hmm. So I think we can be confident in the grace of God when our hearts are truly repentant, but it is that heart issue, Absolutely. as you mentioned. Yeah, it reminds me of, you know, a relationship a parent has with a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not about a tally that you hold as a parent. But it is a different thing when your kid deliberately sins versus like, you know, they didn't realize they were doing something wrong. Right. Um, And so there is like a difference there. But then just that like repentance, man, when that happens, your heart as a parent is loving and God does that perfectly. So um, yeah, repentance heals all. Yeah. I think it heals our relationship with God, but it also heals our relationship with ourself. Yeah. Right. Repentance is often the medicine for shame and guilt, mm-hmm. the things we feel about ourselves, not just how we feel about God or how he feels about us. Yeah. So I think that repentance factor is way underestimated. Yeah. And and that's really the first point that you talked about and how we should respond is that we should honestly examine ourselves. So if we are not really looking into our heart, what is our heart condition? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no even opportunity for us to repent. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, that's the, the bottom line baseline of faith is you have to do some self-examination. You have to really look into your own heart, your own belief system, um, what you really believe about life and God and who you are and, and what you're all about. And then your actions are pretty telltale of what you believe about those things. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we probably all would benefit from some healthy introspection. Yeah. Some healthy self self reflection. Uh, Obviously, you can get too caught up in that and and get in some weird insecurities and head games. You don't. That's not at all what is intended. But First Corinthians eleven says there's moments. There's key moments, usually in worship and prayer where we should kind of open our hearts and souls before the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to point out um, anything there that's not good for him and not good for us. Yeah. What do you think gets in the way of us doing that as, you know, modern day 2023 Christians? Yeah, that's, I mean, so many things probably, but uh, one is the insecurity of not wanting to be shown to be flawed. Yeah. Right. We, we don't like the idea <laughs> that there's anything wrong with us. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, we've grown up in a culture that so tries to make us feel good about ourselves that we are we're not even um, we don't have a healthy sense of, oh, I'm not perfect and that's OK. Mm-hmm. I can be good without being perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're a little bit addicted to perfection. Um, and self-perfection, and I think that's a big obstacle. I think uh, that our busyness is a huge one. I mean, the time for reflection is really hard to find. Now, I do do hear Christians finding ways in their busyness to use um, commute time as a time where they're very intentional, not just to, like, zone out on talk radio or their favorite music, but to really be 
reflective. Yeah. Um, I think there are families that are figuring out Sabbath disciplines mm-hmm. that are really healthy for all of them. Um, but it definitely is not going to happen on accident. Yeah. Right. And then even I'll just speak to a common thing that I, I counsel in men. Um, and this can be true of a lot of women too, but a, a lot of men are, are known like they, they have a hard time sitting still. Yep. They have a hard time. It just like doesn't feel comfortable. They feel like they need to be doing something. Um, and so I think finding what are those doing things that help your mind focus, right? And some kids these days in school are learning those tools. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of times for me, my best prayer time comes when I'm like walking on a treadmill because I'm not thinking about where I'm going, but there's some physical action that's helping focus my brain. Yeah. And uh, so I think um, that's something that I often encourage guys. Like, it can you... Is there a kind of a mindless task that you can do in your garage or your backyard mm-hmm. or around the house that helps you actually focus on reflecting and giving the Holy Spirit that time? Yeah, I think that's that's good because oftentimes um, we use those moments where we're doing something and we we like multitask because mm-hmm. we don't want to allow, you know, we don't want to go in to yeah. ourselves. We don't want to yeah. have that introspection. So you know, I'm, I'm a person who I'm always listening to music. I'm always listening to podcasts. Like I just, I love all that. And there's so much out there. I'm like, yes, I need all this information. Um, (laughs) but I'll, I'll find times where I'm like, okay, nope, this is the time where you're not going to listen to anything, or this Mm -hmm. is the time where it's, it's worship music. It's not any other music. And, and those like times of focus are really important to take. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I referenced, although I didn't, I didn't quote it exactly. Psalm one thirty nine, verses twenty three and twenty four are a great um, prayer to pray, uh, which is, and they're intimidating. I mean, think about these words. Think about even saying these words to anyone else besides God. Right? Search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. That's mm-hmm. like know the things I'm scared of. Yeah. Thinking about. And verse twenty four point out anything in me that offends you. Can you imagine saying that to anybody, (laughs) much less to God? And lead me along the path of everlasting life. And that's the goal is like, God, the things that offend you are also killing me. Yeah. So can you surgically remove these things, point these things out and get them out of my life so that I can live that flourishing eternal life that you have died to give me? Mm -hmm. But we have to we have to sit still for a minute or or focus our minds, um, and we have to trust God. Yeah, you know we have to trust that he 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 has best intentions for us, and if he died to give us life, he's not looking to abuse or manipulate us. Yeah, that's good, and it it leads to the second part because if you just leave it there, right. it becomes unhealthy. But you need to put it into action, and the second part to response was to ruthlessly reject our sin. Yeah. Which is even less fun than the first part, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, 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 we're, if we don't like self-reflection, um, taking action against our sin habits is, it has, I mean, it's just as the least fun thing a human being can do, <laughs> and yet it's the most healthy thing a human can do, Yeah, is to get rid of the sin in our lives. Mm-hmm. And um, we've talked about some of that, that scripture talks about it like dying daily, Yeah, about nailing our sinful desires to Jesus's cross, you know, basically torturing and killing those desires mm-hmm. um, is the picture there with the cross. Um, so those are some pretty extreme New Testament pictures of how we're supposed to handle our own sin. Yeah. 
I you referenced yesterday the even just viewing ourselves as like an addict mm-hmm. to our sinful behaviors that we just say like I'm not going there anymore. I know who I could be, mm-hmm. you know, because sometimes I think we like we get good at saying no to sin, and then we're like, okay, cool, like I can I, I can, can move past. Again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can I can get close to the line again, but I don't know where have you? What's kind of your like? Here's what's worked for yeah. me, like rejecting this. Well, one, and I think this is maybe the most important, is you can't just get rid of something without replacing it with something better. Yeah. And uh, John Piper, who is just one of my favorite preachers, I, if, if there's a podcast go to, he <laughs> would be it. But um, he has kind of made famous this idea that Christians should pursue pleasure more than anyone. Because we know the greatest source of pleasure, that God actually offers us better things mm-hmm. than any of these uh, pleasure simulations in yeah. this world. And I think that, that we have to find ways to remove unhealthy things by replacing them with healthier things, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, when when people come to me and say, man, I'm struggling with lust or I'm, I'm struggling with pornography... It's not just a matter of don't think about or don't look at those things. It's like, what are you focusing on? Yeah. Like, are you focusing your mind on, um, you know, I love God and I want more of God? Yeah. Um, are you focusing on like, man, I love my spouse and mm-hmm. my kids and I want to bless them? Because if you're focusing on, I want those things... Your wanter is busy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Whereas if you're just like, I don't want, I don't want stuff. Do not <laughs> want anything. Your wanter is like, nope, I, I still want something. Yeah, totally. And obviously I'm being, I'm joking, but the human will is made to desire. Mm-hmm. And it's made to desire God and mm-hmm. the things of God, but sin corrupts it and we desire all the things opposed to God. Yeah. So the first piece to crucifying our sinful nature is actually feeding our spiritual nature mm-hmm. um, with healthy things, yeah. both healthy human things that God made for good in this world, truly good things, and, and healthy spiritual things. Um, the second thing I think is you got to draw some hard boundaries with mm-hmm. yourself and then keep them. Yeah. Right? Like, I think that, that we would all do ourselves a favor um, to watch a lot less TV, mm-hmm. especially with some of the more adult ratings on it. Absolutely. Like, uh, you know, and I've been the one, I've said like, man, language doesn't affect me or mm-hmm. violence doesn't affect me or um, some of those things don't don't affect me. And I, I, the more I walk with Jesus, the more I think that's not true. I yeah. think they do affect you in some way, shape or form. Yeah. I think that they... They have a normalizing and a numbing factor, and they callous you to things that you probably shouldn't be calloused to. Um, but I think we just have way too high of a tolerance of things. And, and then, apart from scriptural truth, science has proven that some of the sexual imagery in all of our our entertainment is very addictive in nature. Like yeah. it triggers things in your brain that you can't just say that doesn't affect me. Mm-hmm. So I think entertainment is one where we probably need to draw some pretty harsh boundaries. Um, even some of the funny stuff. Yeah. Like we probably shouldn't be laughing at that. Yeah. Like if, I don't think Jesus would be laughing. I think yeah. he'd be grieved by some of the things that we laugh at. And I know like it sounds like such a killjoy, but I think we need to find joy in in good things, yeah. not find joy in evil things. Yeah. 
So the entertainment one's a big one that mm-hmm. I think applies to all of us. Yeah. Um, I think, speaking of addiction, substances of all kinds, mm-hmm. just because they're legal in our society does not mean that they're going to bring God's best out in your life. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Scripture does prohibit drunkenness. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder how many people slip into drunkenness because they dabbled in something you don't need. Totally. You know, I had a friend... Um, when I was a youth pastor, he was an older leader that was kind of a mentor to me and he, he didn't drink alcohol and his reasoning was one, he's seen a lot of other people make stupid choices Mm -hmm. with it. He didn't struggle with, with temptation there, but the second reason was just practical. He's like, it's ridiculously expensive. Like I'm not going to waste money on something like that. Mm -hmm. Like, why would I spend money on that? Mm -hmm. And I always just thought that was kind of like weird to hear someone just make a wise decision yeah (laughs) right which is sad like somebody made a wise decision about something that's a social norm yeah and i think if we made more wise decisions about social norms we'd save ourselves a lot of pain so absolutely those are a couple things and then obviously there 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 are other pieces there but drawing some hard boundaries on ourselves would be good yeah absolutely and i think it it really relates to the the last part of just that, that Jesus is our King, you Mm -hmm. know, more than our own desires, more than our own, you know, will. And that the radically respect our King, um, is, you know, it's not just our behavior, but it's our mentality that we're Mm -hmm. not going to take for granted what God has given us, which is this life, which is freedom to even make those decisions, which is amazing. Um, but we honor him with our life. Totally. Yeah, I think it's good to think about this, again, in some of the human relationships, right? Like, whether it's um, when you're a young person living with your parents, or you're a married person living with a spouse, or um, you're living with your your roommates. When you respect your roommates, (laughs) you do some things that maybe aren't normal to you, but are important to them for the the health of the home, right? Like, if one person's like, man, we should all take our shoes off in the house, and you're not a shoe-taking-off person, <laughs> you come in the door and you learn to take your shoes off because you respect them. Yeah. Not because it comes naturally to you, but it's probably a good thing and you respect them. And that's just a, a silly little example. But I think how many things in life, when we learn that there's some value there to be offered to Jesus, it should be a done deal. Mm-hmm. Like, well, if Jesus likes that, then I'll do it. Yeah. If Jesus doesn't like that, then I won't do it. Mm-hmm. If this has potential to draw me closer to Jesus, I'm going to do it. Yeah. If this has potential to push me away from Jesus, I'm not going to mess with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, you know, Susie, you and I have kind of grown up in a generation of Assemblies of God ministers um, that have really sounded the horn on a commitment we make as Assemblies of God pastors to not drink. Yeah. And there's reasoning behind that. It's not because they believe alcohol is like the devil so to speak yeah um it's because they they recognized early on how many people we were ministering to that struggle with alcoholic addiction yeah and they said this is a way we can be holy and demonstrate our our dedication to jesus well a lot of people in our i know you've you've had these conversations too a lot of people in our generation have understandably said well that's not a biblical mandate we shouldn't have to live by it right and while that's true, n- not drinking alcohol is not required by the Bible. Um, it's interesting that the minute somebody recommends something to you and says, hey, a lot of ministers that have gone before you have thought this was valuable, we're just quick to dismiss it like, well, I don't have to do that. Yeah. 
And if we judge everything in life by what we have to do, I mean, Jesus is pretty gracious. Mm-hmm. I think of Paul's words um, to the Corinthians. He was quoting one of their kind of cultural proverbs of everything is permissible, yep. right? Yep. They're like, well, the, by the grace of Jesus, we can do what we want. Mm-hmm. And what did he say to that? He said, yeah, in one sense, that's true. In one sense, everything is kind of permissible, yeah. but not everything is beneficial. Yep. So if you're not an idiot, you're going to live wisely and you're not going to do everything just because you can. Yeah. And I think that we have to start thinking in terms of what's going to be beneficial to my relationship with Jesus, what's going to be honoring to him, not what can I get away with. Totally. um, Which is just a really immature perspective. And I think when you really know God, like when you know his character, when you like fall in love with God, you're like, yeah. Man, I want to yes. honor him. I want to respect him. Like, man, I I don't want to. You know, we talk mm-hmm. often about like showing up to heaven like with nothing to show for yeah. it. Yeah. And like, man, we're like, man, we want to show up to heaven and be like, yeah. out of breath. Like, I gave totally. everything I had, and nothing kind of held me back. Yeah, absolutely. And that's hard. That's the the battle with sin will mean that yeah. we we probably take some losses along the way. But we can win more than we lose Mm -hmm. by the grace of Jesus and the help of the Holy Spirit. I think one helpful thing to emphasize in all of this, too, because our our culture is so quick to push, push whatever we believe on everybody else around us, that these statements about um, examining our hearts and crucifying our sin, um, you know, radically rejecting our sin and respecting our king, these are personal responsibilities. Mm-hmm. The, the reflection is supposed to happen on us. Yeah. And obviously as parents, we have to help our kids in that. That might be an exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. As pastors, we try to help our church church families with this. So there are positions of authority in our life that get some reflection permission on our lives. But for the most part, we're supposed to reflect on our own hearts and not try to make judgment calls on everybody else. That's right. We're supposed to crucify our own sin and not just go around being sin crucifiers for everyone else. Yeah. Um, and Jesus really demonstrated both of those things in his own ministry. Um, we see that in the writings in the New Testament as well. And I think that we need to be more reflective as our culture gets so much more antagonistic mm-hmm. about every and any topic, really, not even yeah. just Christian topics. We need to be different yeah. than that. And um, and then lastly, obviously, respecting our king is something we should do even if other Christians don't. Mm-hmm. So personalizing those three things and making them a regular part of our, our worship and our mindset is, um, is going to really contribute to that flourishing lifestyle that we talk about. Absolutely. And it helps, you know, our witness when we aren't just judging everyone else, but when we really take a look at ourselves. Yeah. We can, you know, really live out the gospel. Yeah. And when you're not mandating it for other people, but you're doing it anyways, it really mm-hmm. invites the question, why? Yeah. Like, Susie, why do you do that? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you let the rest of us, or you see the rest of us all doing this, but you still do that. Why? Totally. It's such an inviting way to live your life. Um, when we do it with integrity. Absolutely. Well, this is great. And we could probably talk about this all day long. Mm-hmm. Cause this is the, the struggle of a Christian, but, um, man, go back and listen to the sermon, let the Holy spirit convict you. Mm-hmm. And, um, just remember whatever you do, you're representing Jesus wherever you go and we'll see you soon. Sound life.